You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. This is The Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Can you see um, how red I am today? I had an accident yesterday. An accident? Did you take a nap by the lake or what? Well, no, it's March here. You don't do that. I, uh, I'm on these... <laughs> I got put on these antibiotics for a sinus infection, and I didn't realize that you're not supposed to be in the sun. And me and my girl went out snowshoeing all day yesterday, and it was like bright sun reflecting off the snow. You know how you can get that in the winter if you go skiing or something? Mm-hmm. Dude, for sure. fried. Torched. I told her to leave her makeup at home so I don't, don't go to work looking like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> RC. Yeah, um, it's like you have two suns, actually, because you have the sun hitting you from above, and you have the sun hitting you from below. It's brutal. Dude. The bottom of my nose hurts the most, and my upper lip. So, yeah, <laughs> so you're right. <laughs> that's brutal. Yeah. Red, my red well, jeans don't help. I mean, that's what, you get. that's what you get for snowshoeing, man. I know. It's kind of dumb. Um, how much time do you got this morning, dude? About an hour, I assume? Yeah, it's fine. Uh, I have a little extra time, actually, now that we're going like nice and early. Uh, okay. We'll just see where the conversation takes us. Yeah, I don't think we last time we chatted might have been on on here. I don't remember, but um I think so. What, are you working another job? I saw a post about um about something like that. Like you uh doing that whole work thing. Yeah. Uh picked up a part time gig. Um you know, I I held off for a long time with uh Spartan not paying me, some sponsors uh-huh. from last year not paying me. And uh, I kind of dug myself into a hole. I kept thinking, oh, it's going to come next week, come next uh-huh. week. And then I got to a point where I was like, wow, I have no money and no options. So I picked up a local gig here um, at a local golf course just to make sure that I could play some free golf. Mm-hmm. So I remember that. You were doing groundskeeping so or lands- landscaping, something like that, groundskeeping. Yes, and that was that was tough, like trying to train once or twice a day and working like eight hours of manual labor. It was just not getting it done. Yeah, so – uh, I picked up a, a gig at a pro shop, so I'm just sitting on my butt all day booking tee times and uh, selling people golf balls. So it's much more chill, but then I get access to the golf course and I can train and it's real chill recovery. Just sit there, do my thing. It sounds yeah. sweet, man. So is that where you go today then eventually? Yeah, yeah. I'm only working in the evening, so I'm working like, you know, uh, 1 or 2 p.m. to closing which eventually would be like 9 p.m. in the summer. But right now it's like 6.30. Uh, yeah, pretty chill. Digging it. That's a perfect schedule. Get my training done in the morning. Oh, and I'm only working like two to three days a week. So, uh, yeah, it's just enough money to like cover my rent. And then finally Spartan paid me. So, like, <sighs> I'm relaxed. But I still have like uh, some sponsor money from last year that I'm fighting with people over. So, uh, it's it's all slowly coming in. I have two side notes. One, um, I don't know if you know, but Jess and I just went to uh, we went to Vietnam and we traveled there for two weeks, mm-hmm. and we played around a golf while we were there for like a change of pace. There was a golf course on the resort, and 
This is ridiculous. Nice. So you go to Vietnam, any like Southeast or like South Asian country is pretty cheap. Like you can go get like a nice dinner for like 12 bucks, you know, for both of you. Or you can go like the hotels could be like 15 bucks a night. And so we're like, oh, we'll just go play a nice cheap round of golf. It can't be too expensive here, right? And we show up to the golf course. We had to book a tee time two days out. I didn't realize this. We show up and they're like, well, where are your collared shirts? And I was like, uh, I don't, I don't have them with me. I don't have a collared shirt with me. And they're like, you need a collared shirt. And, and so Jess and I went and we bought shirts in the pro shop. She bought a skirt, right? And we're like, well, we don't have clubs. We're going to rent clubs. We're on vacation. So we need to rent clubs. And they're like, okay, well, they don't come with balls. So you're going to have to buy balls as well. And I was like, okay. So buy the shirts, buy the balls. I'm like, this can't be that much. I'm in Vietnam, right? Then they go, okay, well, your caddies are waiting for you. And I was like, our caddy? She's like, it's mandatory. You each have your own caddy. And I was like, all right, well, here, well, I guess we're going to caddy it up. Okay. <laughs> then we pay for the round and go. So we get back. You have to tip your caddies too. So they ride on the back of the golf carts. They hang onto the back right where your clubs go. It's wild. Anyways, like we're not good enough to have caddies. I get the bill. Hands down the most expensive thing I did while I was in Vietnam 533 US dollars for our round of golf that day. <laughs> Can you imagine? Ugh, that stings. Like, I play local municipal courses because I don't deserve to be playing real nice courses. So I'm playing like, you know, 15 bucks a round or something. But um, yeah, I, I visited Tennessee last year and a buddy of ours, um, he got us onto the honors course, which is like the master, which is like Augusta of amateur golf. Okay. And they assigned us caddies and we had that whole like really exclusive experience. Um, fortunately, I didn't pay that day. But um, yeah, when I went to Dubai as well for Gov Games mm. recently, I rented clubs there and the buy balls and everything. And it was it was Dubai. So it was expensive. Mm-hmm. But I had to do it for the experience. But yeah, dude, for someone that doesn't really play golf and just wanted to like go do something fun and you drop 500 bucks for it. I'm sorry. I apologize. Well, golf, no, it's, golf can you, be really uh, strange. Don't be sorry. I mean, we just felt like dunces for like the next two days. We're like, that felt real icky. Like, that's not how we want to be spending our money. I can. We have a local course down the street, and we're going to get memberships. It's three hundred ninety nine bucks for the season if you buy if you buy before like April first. I'm like, dude, I could I can pay a whole play a whole season yeah, of golf dude. for cheaper. We used to play a couple times a week when I was younger, but I've let it go. But anyways, golf aside, um, okay, and I don't know if we'll air this or not, but. I am still waiting for two payments <laughs> from Spartan sponsored Spartan partnered sponsors. So these were 2022 contracts. I got the sponsorships. They were small ones, temporary, like three months stints. Still yet to get paid. I've emailed them. Okay. Uh, and I have a good relationship with Spartan. In fact, I've been their biggest fan. Like I've been a pretty good supporter. I think on social media of what they're doing. Are you? Are you squared sure. up now? I am. No. No, I'm mostly squared up. Uh, they paid a majority of what they owe me, but there's still like uh, a couple grand left. Um, then that's just prize money. No, like sp- I, I don't okay. usually get like Spartan sponsors. Um, so yeah, and, and then the sponsor money is just my own personal source sponsors that somehow they got behind, and now they're like, well, you can't just hit us with this now. I'm like, we, we sent you every invoice. Did everything we were supposed to do. You just got behind, and now, now I'm dealing with it. So, That's frustrating. yeah, just trying to catch up with that stuff. And uh, yeah, I never expected sponsors to be the issue. I've had issues with Spartan like um, ever since they moved past handing you a check on the same day. Mm-hmm. So you just come to expect it. 
and then you just try to become friends with whoever's in the marketing or in the accounting department and uh, try to get like those same people that you can email and get responses so that you can work uh. your way in. Um, but now everyone's different. They're like almost everyone in the company is a new person except for like Steve Hammond and David Watson. Uh, so I, I have like no point of contact. You just have to sit there and wait, be patient, hope yeah. for the best. Steve so, Hammond's been great about responding, sucks. but he, I'm not getting contacts through him. It's just, he'll, he'll go talk to who he's got to talk to. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good dude. He's holding, he's put a lot of glue over there, but, um, no, and it's not, it's not Spartan. I mean, the sponsors have paid Spartan. I'm probably pretty sure it's just Spartan that hasn't relayed the money back over to the athletes. I think they're slowly, they have a new billing department and they're trying to dig themselves out of the hole that the previous billing department put them in. Mm. So I don't feel bad for them. Um, and I'm also not like upset with them because yeah. they're actually getting payments out, but they're just working their way down the list. They, they're like going through like six months of back pay. That they're trying to figure out. So uh, the fact that I did get paid and they're working their way through it, stoked. Good for them. Sweet. Glad there's someone over there that's getting things done. Uh-huh. All right. We can move on. I was just curious. Um, how that was all shaping up because yeah you, you've you've cashed a lot of checks or at least you've received supposedly a lot of checks um via spartan big i've checks. received a lot of big checks that don't go in the uh and they don't fit in the atm it's weird it's tough bank doesn't take them yeah <laughs> yeah you have to find one of those special large atms they don't have any in colorado huh. so i'm kind of a dying breed yeah. of atm yeah i don't, don't want to make that try back in the happy gilmore days they were everywhere man that's for sure. Um, no, just stack uh, them up in the back of your car and there you go. Those days are gone, man. Um, okay, so we've I think what we've talked to you twice. Have we have we had two interviews with you or three? I uh, I think I joined the two club, not the, the three. Is that what it is? So this well, would, this would technically be my third. It's not an interview. Nope. I'm just not Bracken today. Yeah, well, I think that's what that's your right. screen name says. Not Bracken. Yeah. I, mine Not is bracket. KJ, and KJ doesn't I don't work like VJ works. Like, how would you spell KJ? I got K-A-Y-J-A-Y. That would That's like KJ. I mean, work. that would be the phonetic spelling, and I would agree with you all the way. Unless you wanted to make it, like, special, where it's like K-A-E or something, you know. Um, nope, I'm almost 40. I, I couldn't pull that off. I wouldn't fit. <laughs> um, <laughs> um all right, no, man. I always so forget I, that you're older than Bracken. Way older than Bracken. Yeah. Just because he's the OG or way? what? Uh, just because he always speaks about himself in past tense. Mm, that's true. You talk that. about like what you are doing and what you what you plan to do and why you're rate like what you want to race. And he's like, when I was racing. Yeah. When I did this. He's going to fix that. the way he presents thing. it, it's always like, hmm, what happened? Like, I think we're four years apart. Um but whatever, he's not working. He's slacking. I was slacking when I was on vacation. Now he's chilling Well, he's on vacation. Um, but I reached out to you a couple of days ago, and I was like, I've been seeing your training posts sort of like on, on Instagram, seeing stuff pop up. And you're pretty vague, right? Like you're not like giving away the sauce or anything. You're just – you're posting like, yeah, we know you're working, right? And you're putting that stuff out there. Whereas like if I make a post about it, I'll like – I'll tell you exactly what I'm doing uh, in my post. But you don't, which is – I respect that. Sometimes I wonder, you know, if I were to coach, I probably would do the same thing. But um, it got me curious about what you're like, what you've been doing, because 
when you initially started, you were like a uh, protege under Richard Diaz. And then I, you know, transition, you moved to Colorado, and I think you have another coach, and you're probably developing your own philosophies. I think you're still under the Roches, right? Uh, a recent change away change. from working with Megan Roche. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I really loved working with her. Um, we made huge strides and huge developments in my, like, engine. And, you know, the past, co- like, couple of years, Spartan was, you know, a running sport. Mm-hmm. And with kind of the shift in the sport moving to the 3k format yeah uh much more obstacles apparently double carries that sort of thing it's much more compromised running than it used to be mm-hmm. um, plus my own interest in hybrid decafit and high rocks um, i needed to kind of shift the way that i was approaching things a little bit and before it was just like supplementary light strength training to keep me prepared uh for obstacles in the middle of mm-hmm. my trail racing basically yeah so now I need someone with a little bit of insight into uh, the hybrid way and the compromised running state and building strength because I'm very interested in that. I know I can't compete this high rock season, but I fully intend to next. Oh. So uh, I'm working with our friend Rich Ryan. Oh, nice. Is that a new thing? Very new. Uh, I think I don't think we're even two months in yet, but we've been doing a lot of strength uh, progression. And I'm, I'm learning about his kind of running philosophy and we're kind of building back my fitness because I was not in any kind of good shape at the beginning of this year. It's been it's been tough uh, mm. after being sick for like six months and just slowly going downhill like all last year. I had, This was the first time in my like professional career of sorts, or at least just my running career, that I had truly been out of shape not like taking a couple weeks off to kind of give my body rest, but mm-hmm. legitimately like almost to the point where I was just an average athlete out of shape. I was like, Whoa, this is wild. Um, my first runs back were super slow and running eight minute miles was painful. And I was, it was kind of scary, like not mm-hmm. knowing, not having a certain way back and not knowing how long this could take like just hoping that I would bounce back and, and for weeks on end, just continuing to do the easy runs and them not being easy and just hoping for it. So I can see how when people get injured or get, uh, you know, far out of condition, they can get discouraged because I I had never experienced that after like, after my first season of running, I was up here and I just stayed here and it would take like little dips, but I never came all the way back down. So it was a little unsettling. Uh huh. You think of somebody like Bracken who's had four surgeries in four years and been knocked out, right? You can see how oh it can take gosh. a while to get out of the hole. What uh, what was going on with you? I knew you were sick. I think that happened last summer, right? What what was going on with you? Mm-hmm. I don't know. So, um, I never. So I don't have health insurance, right? Yeah. So I never mm-hmm. went to the doctor to get like an actual diagnosis. But all of my, you know, personal feeling and. Um, kind of my own diagnosis of symptoms said that I picked up a parasite while I was in Mexico because Mm. it wasn't your typical like Montezuma's revenge type thing where you deal with it and take some meds and you're okay. It was like everything I was doing was not working. Um, And it took me down for months and months and months after that. And then even after I got it handled, like I went through holistic methods of, Mm -hmm. you know, clearing out my intestines and everything. um, I was like dealing with immune system issues for months afterwards. 
it's like my immune system was so shot that, that every time I would start trying to train hard because there, it was like crunch time in the season. I needed to try to get back into shape. So I yeah. would slam two to three weeks of hard training and then I would just crash out. I would get sick. I would be dis- I would just have no energy. Um, and it was like that cycle. I would get two weeks of good training, get sick, two weeks of training, get sick. And I would just, uh, that was like my cycle for the last part of the year. And I, I fought through being sick a couple times going into OCR worlds because uh, the 3k doesn't require as much like, you know, engine. It was just like, I had to rely on what I have and my skill set to kind of keep me there. Um, And that was like the last hurrah of my season. And then, you know, I was already booked for Abu Dhabi. And so I went anyway, but I I had no Mm -hmm. business being at that race and uh, doing any of the races I did towards the end of the year. But yeah, it was, uh, it was brutal. So I had to take a huge step back after Abu Dhabi. Like I stopped running for like a full, I think a full month of no running and just like rebuilding my gut biome, rebuilding my immune system, you know, probiotics, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And it, it worked, but it left me in a, a pretty tough spot of being just a turd on my feet. So I, uh, I started building back. Um, just doing a bunch of aerobic work and just getting used to running again. So I contacted Rich, you know, seeing, you know, the 3K is going to be very compromised. Yeah. And I don't I don't really have a method for that. You know, I know how to develop, um, you know, my engine and how to get good at traditional Spartan race. But for compromised running, like like what you experience in hybrid and DecaFit where, you know, your heart rate really gets elevated and then you have to continue on. Like my heart rate doesn't get elevated on obstacles anymore. Mm-hmm. It's a recovery for me. So um, coming from the other side, I didn't really know how to approach that. So I hit up Rich, told him, you know, what I wanted to get into. And he seemed confident. And I told him, I, I want some of that, you know, 51 minute, 10 miler speed. And he's like, we can do that. I'm like, uh-huh. okay, let's do it. <laughs> I think he ran 50 and change, but I could be wrong. Um yeah, he's way too uh-huh. quick for uh for his own good. Um okay, I don't remember you sharing about you all that stuff. Did you did you not share that stuff the the health crap? I mean, you alluded towards it, I think, but like you never dwelled on it as far as publicly, did you? Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I never did like a full you know, this is everything going on with me. I think I mentioned it here and there just cuz I was struggling with something, but yeah. um you know, I was still in the fight for the series and I was hoping to close that out. Like going into Utah, I was actually really confident about how I was going to perform there. And then I showed up and I was just, had nothing. I, w- I had a fever going up the first climb in Utah, but I was there because I booked the trip and I just had to save whatever mm-hmm. points I could. And yeah. thankfully, you know, my like 12th place finish or whatever, 14th place finish put me, um, held me with enough points to finish second in the series, but it was not a great experience. Um, I kept telling people I was waiting for the day quill station and, uh, I just never saw one. Never came. So put that in your soft flask. No, it never came. Yeah. Should keep that in mind, but it was, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I did the race, but it was a, it was a long day. Like being out there in the heat and the altitude with a fever. Oh man special yeah. just special yeah at least you went out in a bang in mexico <laughs> right at least at least that trip was worth it but you came back 
uh, a little compromised. When I did, um, when I did, this is going to be a, this is stupid, I mean, bring it up, but when I did Bachelor in Paradise, we filmed for three weeks in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. And mm, uh, nice. I wasn't right for, oh, I don't know, three to four months afterwards. We had an ongoing group chat on the back end about how miserable we were. <laughs> because something in our gut wasn't right and it was like three weeks later and it's like dude do you still have diarrhea and we're like yeah i still have it's still happening three weeks later or three months later like this like i felt similar but i wasn't trying to train like the pointy end of my spear for anything so i could just listen to my body at the time but there would have been no way Mm -hmm. absolutely no way and we all worked through it eventually but it lingered man um yeah and And the the point about showing up to this is not supposed to be an interview, so we're going to get to your thoughts here in training. But it's good to get caught up regardless because I, okay. <laughs> I haven't heard any of this. But um, the showing up to a race when you know, like like you know, you're not going to be your best is, and then with the expectations you have on your shoulders of like VJ Jones, like he is the man now, and the only the only thing you can do is disappoint people, right? Like, that's how it feels when you're expected to win. Like, if he wins, it's expected now. So it's yeah. like, that's a tough position to be in, man. So, like, did you handle that all right? Like, uh, you, you you know who you're worth, I guess you'd say? I mean, um, it, it's funny how in this sport, like, they doubt people after one poor performance. That's ridiculous. Uh, it's like every, you can win six, seven races in a row, and as soon as you have a slip up, they're like, he's done. You know, he was just burning bright for a while and that's it. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, I expected it. And, um, yeah, I, I listened to the broadcast and you guys said, like, you know, seeing how VJ's walking into that water station right now, something's clearly not right. And I was like, yep, they, <laughs> they got it right. So, I mean, I didn't, I didn't feel all that bad. You know, I was just more disappointed for my season because, you know, I was still building up fitness into Mexico and I came out with a win and a beast. And I was like, dude, like I'm ready. Like this is going to be a great season. I got big expectations and it was, it was just more disappointing than anything. So uh, I'm just glad to be healthy again and, and to be building back fitness. So it is what it is. Live and learn. Yeah. Move on. Fitness coming around a little bit. We starting to feel okay. You know, surprisingly, Surprisingly, yes. Um, I'm very low volume as far as running. Rich has been putting me on a lot of like station work uh-huh. and cross training more than I've ever done. Like it was pretty much just like running was my, um, you know, was my aerobic work, was my threshold work. Everything was running. Now I'm spending time on like the air bike and I'm supposed to be rowing, but I hate rowing. So I don't do that. But um, yeah, it's been pretty cool. Like had a couple of great threshold sessions and, uh, I don't know if I'm like fast right now, but I'm getting stronger, which is nice. So mm-hmm. probably by mid season, I'll be, I'll be ready to roll. You got to lay the cement before you build the building, man. You're just laying pavement. That's right. Laying pavement. Foundations, man. <clears throat> yep. I like it. Um, I'm going to okay. start thinking about that in my workouts. I'm just going to be like, Kirk says to lay that pavement. Dude, just slather lay that, that pavement. Slather that shit on thick. Build on that. <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, okay. We're going to, we'll wrap this thing with what you got going on this year or what your plans are. Cause I'm a little curious. I mean, I have a pretty good idea, but what I want to do, I was trying to set us up here. Um, but I'm very interested in your current, your current situation. So thanks for sharing is, um, mm-hmm. God, you've, you've done a number of training styles over the years. You have, I mean, 
crammed a lot into your years in sport because you started um you started competing endurance training or spartan racing when you were how old were you 15 when you found it my first race was when i was 15 yeah 15 and you're how old now 23 24 24 okay so you're going on like eight nine years of this pretty wild yeah does it feel like forever or does it feel like yesterday that you started Honestly, I don't really remember past like two years back, three years back. Um, so it doesn't feel like it's all that long. I still feel like I'm 18. Um, but then I think about it and I'm like, man, I'm 24. Like I'm kind of supposed to be like a real adult here. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just been kind of the thing that I've done. It's been the lifestyle uh, out right out of high school. Like I feel like I just graduated high school like a year or two ago, but those actually you know six seven years so yeah i don't know it's it's bizarre to be a veteran in this sport but i'm still younger than everybody Mm -hmm. well even me at 39 or 40 i didn't find the sport till 2016 and that was you found it before then i believe right yeah yeah i think i i think i won my first race in 2015 2015 when i think of vj jones as a starter there's like this picture of this child in the barbed wire crawl and i think is it cody moats in front of you or somebody's in front of you you know what picture i'm thinking of i've seen it places and you look like you're yeah yeah it was when i was yeah i think i was chasing cody in las vegas yeah and it's cody moat who's already been a world champ and there's this mousy vj jones who looks like he (laughs) missed the starting line of the kids race it's just fantastic and to see you in comparison with cody in the same frame is like pretty cool but um so i want to what i what the what i approached you with was like training revelations over the years like what what are like training Mm. revelations that you've experienced like for example for me it was when i was younger it was just over speed training like you want to go run the mile in 410? Great. Go train at 350 pace. Then you run the mile at 410, right? You just pound the shit out of overspeed training, which left me a terrible cross-country runner in comparison, yet I was somewhat okay at the shorter stuff. But nonetheless, like, and then I realized, like, it's more about working metabolic systems than anything, and even working slower than race pace can be vastly more beneficial than working at or above race pace because you're working the appropriate systems and yada, yada. And I've had all these at revelations, and now I'm playing with float intervals and um, mostly all fartlek styles and stuff. And it's just fantastic. Right. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm finding new levels of fitness at almost 40. I would kick my 30 year olds selves ass. Right. If I could go back and shake myself, I would, I'd be like, Kirk, listen to me now. But you know, you don't learn that until you, you, you live it. Right. So if you could go back and tell young VJ Jones, 15 year old, 16 year old VJ Jones, be like, Man, you were on, but like you, you missed the mark on a few things. Like, what would you go back? What'd you go back and change, if anything? You know, I've I've had a very fortunate career, and I've uh, I built up in a way that I think was pretty strong. You know, mm-hmm. um, it took me a few years to get into the sport and get good at the longer stuff. Um, and I always had my reasons for my progression. You know, like uh, in high school, the longest race you do is five k. So you're racing like 15 minutes and you go into college, the longest race you do is 10 K. So double that, put it at like 30, 32 minutes. Mm. Um, so that was like my reasoning for focusing on the shorter events because I was only like a 10 K Spartan race being, well, it wasn't 10 K back when I started, right? It was eight mm-hmm. to 10 miles for a super. Um, mm-hmm. and that was well over an hour. 
So that was a long time for me. And uh, I, I took my time in my development. I didn't want to like go super hard, burn out, do too much volume too quickly, not build up with like a solid progression. So, but how did um, you have that I'm foresight? I'm actually really happy with the way that I developed. Sorry to interrupt. Like, how did that you That was have... just my own personal. Like, how'd you know that? You're too young to know that. Who told you that? I, I, don't, I don't know. I just, that was the feeling that I had, um, you know, coming into the sport and, you know, reading a little bit because I didn't, I didn't have good coaching uh, in high school. When I first started high school, I was in my first high school. Um, I had good coaching there and I was progressing really quickly. I got letters from local colleges like UCLA and stuff when I was a sophomore and I was like, I'm going to be a runner. And then I switched to a school in LA Unified School District, lost all the coaching, didn't improve after my sophomore year mm. and uh, was a good athlete, but far, far from great. And kind of disappointing. But then when I got into Spartan Race, I was like, I understood the idea of volume as I started like reading more into things and um, learning how to get better at the longer events. Because as soon as you get into the sport, like you want to start doing the championships, and the championships are beasts. Yeah, that's what you need to be good at, and it's tough, um, especially from a guy that you know like was a good cross country runner. So from three miles to thirteen, big jump. Mm -hmm. uh, but I knew that I wasn't going to be able to be competitive in those after jumping into a couple supers and that sort of thing. So I wanted to capitalize on being the faster proficient athlete in the shorter events and build my volume, uh, to get ready for the longer events as I went. I'm not the kind of guy that just goes out and throws himself into the deep end. I mean, I know there's a time and place for that, but I like to show up for races that I'm prepared for. I like, if I'm not prepared to win a race these days, I don't show up to the start line. Like, I don't know how to go and just do something for fun or have a good time. Like I put a lot of pressure on mm -hmm. myself, so I need to go perform. And that means I need to prepare. That's why I haven't done a marathon. I'm very interested in running a marathon and seeing what I could do, but I haven't found the time to put in that six, nine month marathon block to make sure that I go out and I run a two thirty so that I'm happy about it. Yeah. So that's how I approached everything. So I wasn't going to show up in, to a beast race until I was ready for it. And I mean, early on, like 2016, I, sh and, uh, I showed up to a Spartan world championship, uh, in Tahoe just because I had qualified and I got that cool little medallion. So I had to go check it out. It was, it was really uh -huh. cool. I was um, got my ass kicked. Yeah. And I, uh, I didn't even finish the race. I like hurt my hip uh, after mm. the double sandbag carry got chipped by all the all the top women, they all came oh, flying yeah. by me. I was even featured on the NBC broadcast, just suffering behind. Nice. Uh, I think Lindsay. So yeah, I got great. passed by uh, Lindsay but, and uh, Zuzana on the bucket carry. It's okay. Susanna. Yeah. And yeah. Faye. I think so, they all got me on the bucket. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, I saw I feel everybody. You. I was like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's Rose Wetzel. Like all these people I'd seen on TV. Uh -huh. So, yeah. Um, after those experiences, I was like, you know, I need to prepare better. I need to um, train for this. So I uh, started working with Rich Diaz early on, um, and he put a lot of emphasis on skill work. And honestly, that's my biggest takeaway from Rich and everything that we did um, was the skill work. And that keeps me competitive um, in all levels of my fitness. That's why I can still come out and run fast paces early in the season that I'm not 
necessarily ready for is mm -hmm. because mechanically I'm capable of a lot more than my fitness would necessarily allow, right? Like at any time I can go out and like comfortably hit, you know, 15 miles an hour. I can't hold it, but my body is capable of getting to that mm -hmm. speed and sitting there for a short amount of time. So when mechanically, I back it down it's to you know, 5.30, there i mean mechanically it's, mechanically, right? it's, it's accessible to you yeah exactly mm -hmm. and um that gives me a lot of efficiency when we get into this kind of broken race pace that we have at spartan um and that's key seems like even when i'm out of shape i can show up to like spartan sprint i can throw down yeah uh no matter what so like i focus still on skill work i i implement that into my training it's not part of like my regiment that's scheduled but i still throw that in when i have treadmill sessions you know i'll follow it up with uh a little bit of like mechanical threshold work and that sort of thing mm -hmm. so that was like the biggest lesson that i learned early on besides rich like giving me a couple books that he had and me reading about you know the different energy systems and understanding uh you know aerobic anaerobic understanding mm -hmm. what lactate is and how how to train these different systems and and how to get the adaptations that you want um that's just been something that i've slowly learned and slowly continued to to learn because there's so many different ways that you can reach the same result right yep. so um and you, and you continue to learn these different methods and see what works for different people and and you know humans aren't like can't fit into cookie cutter programs. Like if everyone could do the exact same training and get to the exact same place, we'd all be following the same program, mm -hmm. but everyone works on like different things. So I've tested different things and tried different things. And I've come to understand that I, I respond really well to, to aerobic and, and threshold work. Mm -hmm. um, not like huge threshold work, like what you probably do, like where you go out and you run like 520 pace for like 16 miles. I don't know how you do that. That's I could never true. do that. <laughs> but um yeah like i really focused on aerobic development in the last couple of years and i feel like my fitness has definitely jumped to where i'm much more capable across every style of event um so i've been i've been really digging into to threshold work and and kind of lactate work this last uh mm. this last year or so i'm yeah. starting to wonder if you got a thing for guys named rich now that i think about it it's funny, yeah. dude. I, I wanted somebody like, um, I liked working with an athlete. Like Megan was an athlete as well as a coach, just a stellar athlete. Um, and I liked her perspective on things and, and talking with her as an athlete who has trained and been through that, um, where Rich Diaz wasn't, he was an athlete, but not like highly competitive. Mm. Um, so he was more like, gave me the training and it would just be like, shut up don't be a pussy about it do your thing uh -huh. when i liked kind of bouncing stuff off of the athlete and, and explaining things so uh moving into the hybrid space i wanted somebody that you know had that scientific mind kind of like rich and megan did but you know had experience in the hybrid field and and you know had been playing with things and i saw what rich had been doing um you know he always experiments with different methods of training and how to how to get the most performance out of out of himself and out of his athletes. So I, I like that approach. That's how I kind of ended up with him. Plus he's local. So I can bounce mm -hmm. up there and do a workout with him here and there. Yeah. So it has nothing to do with his name. If you he just happen to be another Richard, uh huh. there's not many of them out there. 
Um, so let's talk about your Diaz days then real, real quick. So what I, what I asked you was what would, if you could go back when you were younger and like, kind of like, like VJ, this, you know, it sounds like you're pretty happy with where you started with your training. A lot of skill work. Let's work on that. At least we can fall back on your mechanical efficiency. Right. But now, but I, I heard you hint at like, well, now in the last couple of years, like I realize how much working like threshold working metabolic systems can really move the needle right so you transitioned phases but let's talk about yeah. like you transitioned um and and that that'd probably be a natural transition from your starting point it would make sense right you got all the skill work you need now you can just brush up on it to keep it there and and work on maybe the next phase of fitness at least that's what i'm hearing um yeah. let's talk about your ds days though because i used to see these whatever tuesday track sessions or you'd be at the freaking hill carrying sandbags up and down and then running the hill repeats i remember seeing a lot of this stuff right Let's talk, let's talk yeah. three of your like favorite or most productive, like or memorable sessions from the Diaz days. Like what, what ones jump out at you that you're like, if you want to work skill work or you want to work like compromised Spartan, like what would be, what would be some of your favorites from the Diaz days? You know, um, before the track shut down, which was like nine months to a year before I moved to Colorado, we would mm -hmm. hit the track every Tuesday. Uh -huh. uh, and then we moved to like this dirt patch area that we had a trail. But um, the lovely thing about that track was that it had long stadium steps right next to it. Like their stadium seating went up kind of high. Hmm. Uh, so we could, <clears throat> we could, excuse me, we could carry sandbags up it. We could run up it. We could come down, um, hit loops on the track. And some of the best workouts we did were – um, hard runs on the track, go to the stadium steps and hop up on one leg and come down on that same leg. Hmm. So you'd light yourself up, get fatigued, and then you'd head up the hill on one leg and come back down the steps, switch legs, go back up. And that workout built so much integrity in my joints and these muscles to where when I was descending in races after that, I was ultimately confident. I could descend no matter how steep no matter how brutal i could hit full like tilt pace and my knees felt strong and confident because i'd had so much stimulus of jumping down onto one leg over and over and over again and mm -hmm. getting it fatigued and just continuing to beat it down to where like when my leg would hit the ground in a descent it would lock in my ankle my knee they'd bend a little bit it flex and then i was locked in there's no way that I was anything but perfectly stable and like ultimately just confident, like confidence, a perfect word. Like yeah. I built confidence in descending on the trail on stadium steps. That's why I think that's like, and I continue to do that to this day because um, I hate descending. It's painful. It's not like <clears throat> enjoyable and I don't like doing it. If you descend aggressively my shoes and my socks, yeah, like race, race I'll effort jog, descending no. is brutal. I will jog downhill. I have no problem with that. But when yep. it comes to a hard descent, like even if there's a downhill segment somewhere, I will never chase those because I just don't like doing it. So I can build that integrity and that confidence in the gym. And then if I know there's a big race coming up that I need to do a hard descent here and there just to brush up and make sure that it's good, I'll do it. But most of the time, not a chance. Like you'll never catch me going hard on descents. Um, and I still keep that, that peg leg workout 
like in my repertoire for when I need it. And it's fantastic. That that's like, I'd say that's a number one rich Diaz workout right there. Hmm. One top, top two for sure. So it'd be like you would hit, let's say like, give me an example. Like you'd hit four, six, 800 meters, go right to the stairs, up, down on the right leg, up, down on the left leg, right back to the track again. Like, and these would be like, that'd be intermixed. You'd have to run, you'd, you'd run compromised after that as well. Um, well, the, the actual peg leg workout wasn't part of running or oh. it wasn't part of a running workout. It was its own, uh, you'd run up and run up the hill, come down, go up on one leg, go up on the other leg, um, and then kind of rest and do it again. Got it. But we would kind of implement all kinds of things in our like fun track Tuesdays. So occasionally, yeah, you'd run like say 800 meters on the track, come in peg leg up and down on each leg. And then you'd throw the sandbag on your shoulders, run up to the top and then come down like the side trail with yep. sandbag or something. Um, he would just do anything and everything to like mix it up and, and keep things interesting. Uh, not sure if every workout was super beneficial, but we were prepared for anything for yeah. sure. Um, yeah. I'm, I bet you could just probably simulate, activity. you could probably simulate that on like a, like a 12 inch box up and down, up and down on one leg and then up and down, up and down. I mean, if you didn't have access to stairs, that might be a, a decent, you can actually even do it on a steep hill. Like sure. you don't need steps necessarily. Like we right. used to do it. Um, there was this short, steep hill. It'd probably take you like 20 seconds to climb if you're running, but we'd do it up on one leg and come down um, on one leg as well. And that was just as good as the stadium steps. Um, mm -hmm if not better, because you're actually landing with your foot in that, uh, yep. descending position. So mm -hmm. I remember seeing videos of you guys like, sure. like scaling horizontally, like the, I don't know, like the cement, uh, barrier next from the track to the bleachers. You'd be like going sideways across things like a monkey. I don't remember seeing stuff like this. Yeah. Like, that's like very non-traditional. You just have you scale that and get back to running. What would be another Diaz uh, Diaz foundational staple? Anything else that jumps out at you that you learn that you like that maybe you still carry with you today? That's a good one. Well, there's the the early Diaz, which was very like you know eighty twenty traditional developing you know like polarized training, yep. normal stuff, aerobic days, intensity days. Um, and then he developed his flow mentality, which kind of has, has taken over for him. Um, and I think there is something to that. Uh, I, I don't agree with how much intensity he does these days. Like he gets people doing intensity almost every day um, to the point where like they're doing like 50% intensity in their training. And it's just like, it's pretty gnarly. And the people yeah. that can survive it, props to you, but that would never, I can't. I'd fall apart for sure because um, most people like when it says hard effort, they'll like gauge it based on the workout. But I'm very like to the point, like if you tell me like we're going to do this at mile pace, that means I'm going to go run this at like 420 pace. And if you have me hit that and then you want me to do it like six, seven, eight, ten times, like I'm going to die before the end of the workout because I do it the way that you write it to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, getting sidetracked. Uh, the flow workouts were actually really cool in the way that he would want you to touch different energy systems in the middle of these workouts. And you would basically scale it almost how you would scale a week. Say you're going to do 70, 30, your workout could be 
kind of like a 70 30 workout where 70 percent of it's going to be aerobic 30 percent of it's going to be intensity say like 20 percent of that is going to be at your threshold or like upper threshold work and then some of it's going to be top end um you know vo2 max type work so you'd mm -hmm. have an hour-long workout where you're going to do 40 to like 42 minutes of aerobic work and then we're going to work in threshold intervals but then we're also going to work in a couple of VO2 max stints. So you'd be running like your warm up, and then you start getting into the workout, throw it up for two minutes at threshold, come back down, go up for like three minutes, come back down and rest. And then you throw in like a VO2 max, like 30 second hard effort and kind of bounce in between these different energy systems. And it was really cool actually um, touching all these different things. Uh, I didn't stick with it long enough to see how it would pay out long term, but I did enjoy those workouts just because it kept things interesting, but also you were bouncing in and, and it wasn't just like three minutes on, two minutes off type like structure. It was kind of like it flowed, yeah. right? The Weird. way it has it, flows. Yeah. So it was, uh, they were kind of cool. And I think uh, it's kind of fun to do training like that and to just kind of feel things out. Um, you know, I've done a couple of those here and there just when I felt like I wanted a little intensity today. Um, so I just kind of build my own workout as I was running, which was kind of fun. Just kind of throw mm -hmm. it up, get a little bit of pace in there and then back it off. Once fatigue started to kick in, uh, you kind of feel your own threshold when things start to kind of cross that line, just back it down. Uh, those were those were cool. And it kind of gives you a handle and an understanding of what you're capable of and what feels right and what your paces are and um, what heart rates you're, you can sustain. And, and it kind of gives you a little insight into what you can do aside from just, can I hit this pace? Mm -hmm. You know, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I bet you those workouts yeah, go by cool. really quickly too. Like I could see that style be like, Oh, 60 minutes is up already. It could be a good way to like, if you struggle with the monotony of just like, I'm going to slog for a 60 minute recovery run. Like sometimes those things drag, man, if you're not feeling it that day or something, it can be, it can be brutal. So I could see that. Um, so you might only accumulate, mm. like you might only accumulate like 10 minutes in threshold in that workout and maybe five minutes at VO two max effort or pace in that hour, instead yeah. of going out and hitting exactly. a 30 minute threshold yeah. run, you'd be just, but you'd be touching it much more often, like throughout the week. That's what I'm on. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah, that was the idea, but it's it's tough uh, structurally to to hit hard efforts every day. Like your mom, like I get sore every time that I do like a, a harder effort. So if I was doing a little bit of a harder effort every day, my legs would just slowly fall apart. Yeah, I can see that working better the younger you are or the older you are. I can't decide. Hmm. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, you could argue both probably on principle, but, um, okay. Sure. Anything else that jumps out with, uh, with that like time, uh, when you were working with him, anything else that you still carry with you today? Honestly, the two things, the two things that I keep in my repertoire are mechanical skill work mm -hmm. and that, um, single leg loading of peg leg exercise. Those are like the two big takeaways that I have from rich. Um, besides everything I've learned about energy systems and metabolic testing and, um, how to take that information and everything like that. Uh, those, those are probably the two like things that are still in my workout regimen. Okay, cool. Um, 
What about after that? Whether you want to say when you're working with Megan uh, Roach or whatever you were, you know, developing your own personal philosophies throughout this, of course, which I'm going to ask you about. Um, but like anything you would say, because I think a lot of people are curious about the Roaches. Like they don't, you know, you hear a number of people go over to them and they, you know, my my understanding is a lot of mileage and volume and you know, some people get drove into the dirt and some don't. I have no idea what I'm talking about. That's out of ignorance. Um, but you said you were working threshold and building some state power. Like what would be some takeaways from working with Megan or the Roches that you were like, oh yeah, that clicks with me. That resonates with me. Just the true value of like, you don't always have to like go fast to get fast. I agree with that. Right. I wasn't, I wasn't beating myself you know, into the ground every week on the track or trying to hit these super fast paces or anything like that. I was, um, everything that had an aerobic base to every workout, there would be days when we would go out and only do 60, 70 minutes of aerobic training. And it was fine. It was great. And, um, uh, we always kept during the week, uh, hill strides in for, uh, you know, neuromuscular development and recruitment. Uh, so we, after like 45 minutes into an hour run, I'd hit a few hill strides in the middle and then jog it into the house. Um, and every workout with intensity was not a standalone intensity day. It was a 90 minute workout. And then we're going to hit, you know, six by four minutes, six by five minutes, um, at, you know, half marathon pace or half marathon effort mm -hmm. in the middle of the workout with two minute recovery in between. And you're still jogging in those recoveries. So everything had like the aerobic backbone to it. And mm -hmm. then there was intensity kind of built into those workouts. And I loved it. Every run was, uh, every intensity workout was really fun. I did everything on the trails. Um, I enjoyed the hell out of it. And it, it was probably like my, the stint of training so far in my memory that I enjoyed the most where I just enjoyed the process. I had fantastic experiences just out on the trail going fast. And it wasn't like I would end those like workouts like, Oh man, I'm toast. It was like, I still had more in the tank and I never really hit the top end of like where I beat myself down really hard, but I was getting results on the race course, like I would never, I never felt truly like super sharp or anything, except when I did like a couple extra workouts going into like OCR worlds and stuff, really working on speed. But throughout the season, I was like, you know, I'm not hitting any super fast paces in training. I don't have anything to really base any of this off of, but I would show up and I would dust people. And I was like, this is pretty cool. I, I don't really understand it, but I, mm -hmm. I can appreciate it and things are working out really well. So I, I truly, really liked, um, that training and what that developed in me. Um, it didn't really make me good at like the compromise thing yeah. because it, like we did nothing of the sort to kind of develop that. Uh, so when I did like a deck of fit or two, which I did, I did well, you know, I think I set like the fourth fastest time of the year or something when I did it, but it was still like, I think that was just my personal skill set and, and kind of my talent coming through versus the training I was doing. Um, so I, I've learned the value of, of um, slow is smooth, smooth is fast mm -hmm. type deal. 
Um, so I keep that in mind. And a lot of threshold work I've been doing with Rich, like he keeps the threshold work involved. So I'm very happy about it. And uh, yeah, it's been pretty cool. It, it, was, it was a great stint. And we didn't, we didn't like break ways because things weren't working or anything like that. It's just the game has changed. And, uh, you know, I got nothing but love for those guys and, and appreciation for everything they did for me. Yeah, that's uh that's strength running at at its finest. Like if you're going to prioritize anything, prioritize being strong and durable, right? And like if you're doing let's say your yeah. 6 by 5 minutes or 6 by 6 minutes with 2 minutes jog recovery, like you can't really run beyond threshold cuz you're going to self-implode in a workout like that. 30 minutes of quality with 2 minutes jog recovery, like it's going to it's going to corner you right where you need to be. And also keep the rev limiter dialed back a little bit. It, something that sticks with me, and this is one from our early conversations on the podcast when we talked to John Yatskow, and not like anything you were doing is easy because threshold training isn't easy by any means, but it's not that turn yourself inside out, hate your life, uh, lay on the couch the rest of the day because you're neuro neurologically and he always said like i like to train easy and then race hard and what he meant is like i just i don't go completely to the well ever and then when i need to it's on race day and he had a lot of success like that so and then that's also interesting about you because you were on the track always track 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 you were hitting everything on the track and then you went completely away Mm -hmm. and then you go and you win the mexico beast and you run some of your best like Dude, the way you ran away with Asheville in 2021, 22, 21, the way you ran away yeah. with Asheville in 20, mm-hmm. like against that field, the way you crested the top of that last climb, which was like a punchy 150 foot climb up to like the equestrian center up top. And I remember seeing a video, you crest that and you were like, dude, you were cool as a cucumber. It was the most annoying thing I've ever seen. Because I was like, dude, I was inside uh, out backwards and it wasn't my day, but like, I was like, that dude is so strong right now. Like, it doesn't matter if it's a 40 minute race, that is threshold. And so just watching you do that, I was like, well, obviously like this guy's state power is pretty good. That was during some of that phase. Was that not, or was that before? That, that was prime time, right. uh, Megan programming for me. And yeah, honestly, that race, I don't know what happened, but everyone just was gone. And I was by myself. That means you were just, just better doing the same everybody. thing I was doing in the first first few miles. I was going, and what I liked is I got to the end of that thing, and I didn't power hike that hill. I ran that whole hill, mm-hmm. and I think I had the fastest uh, segment on that climb at the end of the day. And I was like, "Let's go," yeah. you know. Um, you know, after being the guy that everyone said like that he can't climb, he can't do this stuff, and I came out and I dusted that. Like it was short. For sure but like that was a very painful spot in the race mm-hmm. and i just went and floated right up that climb got into the obstacles did my thing that was like that was a big confidence building race just to like get in with some fast strong athletes and be able to come out and just like walk away with it that was well, really cool uh, it's ironic when the youngest uh highly competitive male in the field makes like makes men look like boys right when it's the <laughs> The youngest guy in the field making the men look like boys. There's some irony there. So so to to some some concrete takeaway, it sounds like time-based intervals go on race-specific terrain, keep the recovery short and moving. You're not doing 12 by 400 meters with 90 seconds true rest. You're doing six by five minutes with two minutes active run recovery, for example. So you shifted a lot to that style, which would yeah. be a lot of threshold work. Is that what, if I'm going to summate, that, that would be accurate? 
that's that's exactly what it was and um i would do two intensity sessions a week one was a standalone during like a 70 to 90 minute run uh which is more of the shorter intervals those three minute intervals six minute intervals that sort of thing and then during my long runs i would be doing uh like two by 15 minute at like Nice. No, half marathon or marathon mm-hmm. effort or something uh, in the middle of like a two and a half hour run. So uh, I would just go run like a local trail, climb like, you know, 3000 feet in the middle of the run uh, or throughout and then just hit my 15 minute efforts when they came up time based. So it could be on a flat, nice runnable section or I could be climbing the whole time. It was just like whatever, whenever it came up, it came up, did yeah. the work, went back. So it sounds a lot how I, if my athletes are listening, it's a lot how I program, uh, which I didn't know that was necessarily their style. Very much that programming style until um, it's time to it's time to get specific, and then we'll dial into OCR specific work. But I call that the lane pavement phase for sure, um, especially for my OCR athletes, which is still the majority of my athletes. Um, and then, so that's the phase I've trained in for like a long time, which I've, my fitness has popped, especially state power. Um, and then the next layer beyond that has been taking those and then saying, okay, I'm going to do six by five minutes with two minutes recovery. But now my two minutes recovery is at six thirty pace. I'm going to prescribe a float where it's like, now I'm not, I'm going to tear it even more and be like, oh my God, this is, you know, never really truly recovering. So I'm almost like ebbing and flowing in and out, which is something I'm playing with now, which has been a fun experiment, but there's a lot of actually parallels there with, with what, how I believe and what they're prescribing. So anything else from your time with, with, um, Megan that jumps out at you that you feel worked, you know, like we, it was not pretty. It wasn't special. There was nothing fancy going on. It was just mm-hmm. consistent, like aerobic and threshold work. And we didn't really deviate from the plan the entire year. Um, some of the workouts would get a little more intense, but it was always the same structure. And, uh, I mean, it showed like I went and ran that 5k, like one of the fastest 5k's in the country. And I didn't even, I ran like a 1630 or something, 1620. I wasn't super fast, but I could have held that pace longer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Went and ran Carlsbad and Mark Batches just dusted me. I ran like 16. But when we get on to actually might be right. I don't I'm know. Pretty sure. In my sure mind, it was like 60. Like. <laughs> sure. uh-huh. So it was, uh, yeah, I uh, wasn't super fast. Didn't have a lot of like top end. I'd say I'm probably faster right now than I was then, but I'm mm-hmm. definitely not as strong. Right. Like I don't have that confidence where if we're stepping on a beast course or a 10K or a 5K, it didn't really matter. Like I was going to be able to go out and do work. Like right now, um, it's kind of changed to where mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to work on a little bit more top end, uh, my threshold work, like rich, rich does threshold work very differently. Like I did 20 by 400 the other day with rich mm-hmm. 20 by 400 with 30 seconds rest. I think 20, mm-hmm. 20 sec, 30 seconds, not much might've been 30 seconds rest, but it's, but it's like walking rest, which I'm not used to. Like usually it would be like if I was going to do like two minute intervals or 90 second intervals, I would keep, I would do like another 90 seconds and keep running versus now I'm stopping. Mm-hmm. So I think like if I get into mid season and I'm wanting to do like a longer race or something, I'll probably want to move back to a couple of those longer sessions that I was doing with Megan. Cause that just, those really worked for me. 
mm -hmm. where I was just capable across so many different things. So, uh, I'm trusting rich. I'm putting it in his hands right now. And, uh, you know, we're making improvements and, you know, if he can go 59 at high rocks, I want to do the same thing. Yeah. Buddy. You know, so you have the capability. I'll tell yeah. you what though, 30 seconds rest in a workout like that, which I, I, I'll do myself once in a while, uh, with that short rest, you got to temper your enthusiasm early though. Like it, yeah. you, you certainly do. Like it turns into like, you can get whatever you want out of that workout, but most of that workout is spent in threshold. And then, uh, towards the end, if you're feeling it and want to let her rip, it can change, but I've done that workout. Yeah. Those, those are good. And that's, that's in disguise. By the time your heart rate is even coming down, you're starting the rep again. So you get so much sneaky benefit of like, yeah elevated heart rate. So, um, well, let's talk about that with rich then like don't air his, his laundry or whatever, but like, so now you're transitioning more to mixed modality work. How is that? How do you feel like that's translating to your running? Can you tell yet? And the reason I ask about that is I've been forced into mixed modality training, not in my recent two years, knock on wood, because I've been relatively healthy, but for the vast majority, I was a two or three day a week runner, even in some of my prime performances a few years ago, and I was crushing the assault bike and I was on the cross country skis and I was hitting the rower and mixed modality work. And damn it, dude, like running felt easy. Like nothing could hurt me. Like that shit could hurt me. Like I couldn't even tr force my running to feel that terrible. Right. Cause some of that stuff sucks. Like how you feeling the, how you feeling that right now in relation to your running? Um, I don't know. My, my running still struggles from time to time. Like I find that I my threshold work is actually decently strong. Um, you know, like for those 400s, I was hitting like 520 pace. I was able to hold that through like most of the workouts. So mm -hmm. I, was, I was pretty happy with it. Um, but looking, I like my aerobic days. My climbing is pretty terrible right now, um, at least aerobically. Like I don't have a lot of efficiency in my climbing. It's going to um, be interesting, not to interrupt, but like when you get to like Palmerton and you got to – or big bear and you got to climb with the 3k format that is gonna hurt yeah buddy that is gonna hurt so i'm curious to see that play out well i have experience with that i i we had that uh short like two mile um sprint that we did in big bear in like 2019 yeah, the, so, oh yeah that's right and the spartan uh, I, I cross i believe like. you you did there right kind of spartan cross yep. was there yeah yeah i had a little bit of climbing there so i i know what those courses are going to look like um i'm ready for it i feel good about it it's going to be more like a cross country climb versus like a climb climb. But yeah. yeah, it's honestly the aerobic days are the hardest for me right now, just cause it's still not super easy. Um, you know, I stay in that, at that relaxed state, but it's not bouncy and floaty and just like having a chat with your buds still. Like I'm sometimes. still like my respiration's a little higher. Yeah. Uh, it feels like a slog. And plus like mentally I, I hate easy aerobic days. Um, it's been really hard for me in the last couple of years, like just going out for a 60 minute jog. Uh, I have to have an audio book in my yep. ears and something to distract me because even if I'm on the trails and I really like it, but I'm by, I train by myself. There's not a lot of people around me to train with. Um, I mean, I got Jack Bauer over here and we'll meet up sometimes, but um, you know, he's on his schedule with his work and with, you know, his training and I'm on mine. Mm. So when things align, we can, but it's, it's, I'm by myself and easy runs by myself are just so boring. It's just, I, I hate doing it. It's the majority of um, my life, brother. Not only that, but I get to run on County roads dude, outside here. You'd be on the shoulder of them. You'd be lovely. Real, you'd be real jealous. My, my, my car broke down recently. 
about a month ago, and I've been uh, I've been running on the road because I uh, it's like 20 minutes of, of a run to get to the trail. So if I have a longer run, I can run to the trail and then run the trail. But mostly I'm running the road right here by the house. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, I've gotten really yeah. familiar with the sidewalks and uh, where all the cracks are and yeah. everything. Oh, yeah. So I just I'm doing the same thing over and over and over again. So I feel you. Yeah, it's been it's been interesting. The the, the station work. It's uh, it's different. For sure. Like I only have an, I have an echo bike in my gym. So I do a lot of work on that now. Um, and I'm getting better with it. I'm getting stronger. It's like, Oh, it sucks. It's real tough. It's not like a chill experience ever. Mm. Like it's not, it's never comfortable. Um, and it's amazing how that can beat you up. Like just so hard, so quickly. Like you if you give to. enough effort, you can be done on that thing in 30 seconds. Right. Like you can, you can, push out an interval for five minutes or you can do hard enough to, to put you on the ground in 30 seconds. So it's pretty interesting. It's been fun. Um, I don't know how that's going to like affect my running and everything. Cause I haven't been doing it, uh, it for a super long time yet. Um, I'm going to pick up a rower soon and I'll start mixing that into the, to the equation here. Uh, the, the main change has been strength. That's actually integrated into my training. Cause Megan would just give me my running work and then I would stack in some like, mm-hmm. you know, strength training where I could. Um, but this is like heavy strength days integrated into my plan where the strength is the focus of the day, Yep, which has been pretty cool. And I spent so much time in the gym, dude, I'm in the gym for like an hour and a half. I used to do like 30 second workouts. Oh dude, can we pause for a second? I need to put my trash out of the trash truck. Just yeah. Yeah. Go, go pause. A minute. Hold on. Uh huh. Shit. Oh my gosh. Did you do it? Did you get it sorted out? Did Did you make it? Got my uh, got my sprint in this morning. I had to chase him up the street with the trash can. And be like, hey, that's a good it. reminder for me. They changed our trash day from Friday okay. to Thursday. This week's the first day, so I'm gonna I'll probably forget and be doing the same thing. That'll wake you up. Just write it on Jess's forehead and you wake up in the morning, you'll see it and you'll be like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's we'll find out. What were, I forget what we were talking about. We're almost wrapped up here. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, we're talking about? oh you're talking about you're, you have a rower coming in. You're still TBD. Strength. strength. Oh, yeah, strength. You're talking about your strength. Focus days. That's right. We're working on strength now. VJ over here. Dude, I saw 245 strong. for like 50. Not like like oh, 16 reps or something for 14 reps, something crazy went right. Dude, that's monster. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's been going, man. I, I mean, I don't have like the super heavy weight, you know, like where I can squat a ton for like one or two reps, but odds are, if I can get it for like two reps, I can probably get it for 10. It's kind of the way that I work. That's a big weight. So, dude. That's a lot of weight. That's impressive. Yeah. Like, well, when we started, I did, 205 i think for five that was my max like six weeks ago um and now like yeah i'm starting to be able to like stack weight and i progress really quick like um a little while ago i think it was only like two and a half weeks ago maybe three weeks i did 225 for 10 and now i was able to get 235 for like 15 and like uh i think it was 235 or 245 
um, for like the higher reps. And I was like, yeah, dude. let's go. That's big like time. we're working, actually getting somewhere. My, my deadlift isn't great. It's not, not very pretty, but my squat's been coming up pretty quick. And, um, my strict press is getting better. Uh, Couldn't... yeah. Yeah. So I did a bunch of like bodybuilding stuff in December, which is just like typical, just like hypertrophy work. Uh, just trying to build some muscle, um, before I got into like stacking volume and stuff. And then, uh, we started doing a bunch of strength work with rich and I'm actually getting like realistically like strong compared to not like, Oh, he's strong for his size, but like mm-hmm. actually being kind of strong, which is kind of cool. Are you, uh, you hitting um, stimulus? I'm not sure how that you hitting uh, like you're probably squatting twice a week. I'm assuming at this point potentially or deadlifting twice a week. I, yeah, so I, I do like, and so the way he structures his workouts is like, there's a long warm up. It takes like 20 minutes to get to the warm up. There's some strength. And then we go into like accessory work after that and then conditioning. So one day of the week is focused around the squat. One day a week is focused around the deadlift. And even on the deadlift day, I'm still doing some kind of squat, like uh, a box squat or something. Um, And I think on the, on the squat day, I'm still doing deadlift or I'm doing like a deficit deadlift. Uh, so yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That's a, it's a lot yeah, of what I believe in too. That's funny. And Rich and I have never actually talked about that, but it's like you're laying found, you know, you're laying pavement again in a different way, right? You're laying cement in the gym and then it's like, it's like funny you bring them together and that's the idea. So that's dude, yeah. that, but those are legitimate numbers, especially for a guy of your, I mean, you're not tall, tall, but you're tall for our sport. And then, you know, so you got a longer way to go on that deadlift and that squat and putting that ass to use, I guess, that you've built climbing mountains is obviously something to it. I know, right? Um, Okay, and I want to move this uh, to the last question I have about your training. Um, Is more like your own, like, like what beliefs or anything that, like, some of your favorite workouts of all time or some of your beliefs that, you know, coaches aside, obviously, you – you, do, you make a lot of your own decisions along the way. I understand like you're your own human and you've done that uh, throughout your career. Um, what what would be some of your like personal philosophy? Do you have, do you have one yet or has that been changing? And then maybe some of your few like, like needle mover sessions that you, that you believe in. If we have, if we've talked about them already, totally cool, but I'm curious there. Well, as far as like a week to week training thing, I believe um, kind of an equality over quantity to where, you know, if the wheels are falling off and you feel like crap, like I will take a day off. Mm -hmm. I'll take an unscheduled day off. A lot of people are like, no days off, you know, like, uh, you know, like I got to go hard and it's about suffering. It's about, you know, like doing all this stuff. And I'm not like that, man. Like I want to get, I have a goal in every session. Like there's a point to every session. So, uh, if I'm not getting the point of that session across, then there's no point in like beating my head against a wall for no reason. But that being said, I also believe uh, I saw this interview with an Olympian uh, and she was talking about the rule of thirds where like 30 of your training is going to feel good. 30 of your training is going to feel OK and 30 of your training is going to feel bad. Um, so I, I'm kind of back and forth with like if it feels bad enough to where I feel like I need an off day so that I can get something out of the rest of this week Mm -hmm. i will take that off day but also like i do kind of look forward to the days that don't feel very good and the days that are hard because you know um i truly believe in that like 
that rule of thirds thing. And, you know, it's like, oh, all right, I'm going through it. Like, mm. these are the days that are going to count. So I'm going to work through this anyways. But, um, you know, sometimes when it's a quality session and you're just not hitting paces, you can't get up to speed, you know, everything's mm-hmm. just sucking. I don't believe that you need to slam through these workouts because you're not like, you're not getting the benefits that you really want. Sure, you're probably building some mental toughness and you're, you know, going to be able to fight through a lot on, on race day. But ultimately, like you're just digging yourself a hole that you're going to have to climb out of anyway. So I'm a big believer in, you know, um, especially on quality days, just if it's not working, don't force stop. it. Stop. Go back to the drawing board, especially if it's an aerobic day, yeah. move the workout, whatever you got to do. Um, so that's that's I agree with that, me. by the way, very much. It's uh, like if if things are feeling like crap or not going the way you want 99 out of 100 times, it's not because you're out of shape. It's because you're tired. And if that's the case, rest is the answer, not more work. It's not yeah. more work. And most people think they need to double down when they feel like shit or like I can't hit pace. Like I'm out of shape. I'm falling behind. It's like you are dead on the nuts wrong. You need to chill. I believe that fully, <laughs> like, especially people who are training with relative consistency. It ain't, oh, it's yeah. not a shape. You're not a shape. You idiot. You're working out six days a week. It's you're tired anyway. So I very much, I passionately agree with you on that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. There All we right. go. I thought, um, yeah. And then as far as like workouts, I like to do, um, I've had a couple that have just kind of stuck with me and, and, uh, if I need to test my fitness, I did this workout in 2019, the week before um, Alabama, which was my first national series win, because I was like, I want to simulate what this race is going to be like, not necessarily, but just kind of broken version. Like when I was in high school, when we were going into championships for the two mile, we would do a four by 800 with like a short rest to where you're going to try to run your race pace or a little faster. You're going to have a break so you can kind of feel what that's going to be like. And it's only the distance of the race. So in 2019, we were still on the uh, eight mile super. So I did a four by two mile with two minutes rest. Big workout. And uh, that workout has kind of stuck with me because I just like I went out at race effort where it was comfortable for the first two. And then the second two kind of started to to light up a little bit. And um, that's a good kind of gauge for me to see how I'm feeling, but I still don't have a handle on what paces are supposed to be like up at altitude. Mm-hmm. I'm mostly based on effort now. Like I, I was doing a lot of heart rate training when I got here. Um, but I feel like I have a good enough handle on my efforts and what it feels like. And, and I'll glance at heart rate here and there. I'll, I'll keep the data, but I don't like train yep. off of it uh, the way that I used to. Um, except on some like aerobic days, just to make sure that I stay relaxed. Um, but like that workout is, is pretty legit. And I'll, I'll throw that in when I just need something to kind of like, I like where I'm style. At. um, but it's um, effort based question that if you did that, this is, people are just going to yeah. want to know, like, yeah. uh, you also, that was probably the first race in which you made men look like boys. You won by a substantial margin in Alabama as well. Um, <laughs> what, like if you were doing that on the track or the flat roads, like what kind of pacing, like when you were in. U.S. National Series winning shape for an eight-mile distance. Like, what pacing were you able to hit for those? Uh, granted, you were staying controlled the first half and then maybe ratcheting down the second half. No, I think I was like eleven mm-hmm. ten. 
Yeah, just those, around five thirty pace. Like eleven ten mm-hmm. for the intervals. So like yeah, like five thirty five yeah. pace. Um, the thing is, like the fastest dudes never win these races. Yeah. I've been scared of every fast guy that has come along. I see you coming out of the off season running like low fives for these workouts. And I'm like, geez, man. And I see Mark Goddett come out with a, a 1455 K mm. and then uh, rich came into the sport and he was super fast. And I'm like, man, how am I going to beat these guys? And then we get on the course and yep. it's a different game. Something about like the broken terrain, hitting obstacles, breaking that rhythm. It's a different skill set that I've come to understand. Um, and it's, it's, it's like, how fast can you move while getting punched in the face? And I found that my punched in the face mm. pace is faster than other people's. Like I can always fall back. Like e- even when I blow up, there's a certain pace that I fall back to and I will stay there. And I'll never get slower than it. And that's kind of, I've learned to like Mm -hmm. get good at that. And um, I think that's going to be a good asset once I move into kind of the hybrid space. Because when I'm dying, suffering, it's like six flat pace, 605 pace is kind of where I fall back to. That's me looking Mm -hmm. very ugly, looking like, you know, I'm about to vomit. Like he may pass out any second. 605, Uh I'm there. Just dying. I mean, it's not, it's not going to last forever, but it does last for a long time. Like that can hang in. So that's not the worst pace yeah, to fall back I, uh, on. I can get, you know, I think, no, it's not um, too bad. I went on a little bit of a rant on our last training Tuesday about how I hate what Spartan has offered for the elite level of the sport now. Like I'm, I'm very, I didn't fall in love with that version of the sport. Okay. Um, I think it's going to be heck of fun to watch. I think it's going to, it might work and it might catch. Uh, and I'm very excited to watch it. I think it's going to be very viewer friendly. I don't want to do it. I don't want to train to do it. I would love to go out and race three, maybe a three K, but I don't want to take what it's going to take in my training to do it. But point, point I'm getting at here is there's a, I think there's a little foresight from you here. Like a guy like you should from the outside be like, dude's going to focus on hybrid guys going to go train like hybrid, like, does that really make sense? I think it, I think it makes a lot of sense because the writing's on the wall where this sport is heading. In my opinion, if you want to keep a life and a career in quotes in this sport, I think our options are being funneled in very particular directions and getting ahead of that. Like maybe focusing on hybrid, it's only going to translate to 3k performance anyways so it's just like the writings on the wall i think if you the way the sport is going like hybrid is going to be the new space spartan of old ocr of old maybe savage series will keep around which will give people an offering for a little longer distance but like that's it that's it dude it's just that that hyrox is doing it correctly they're building media around their sport and they're featuring the top athletes 100%. in the sport okay they're not just like oh hyrox come to the hyrox they're like, look at the world record holder. Look at Ryan Kent. Look what he's doing. Look at Rich Ryan and their, their partners with our sponsors. Look at Hunter. Look at these top athletes. They're featuring you build building idols. stars in the sport. They're yeah. building rivalries. They're giving something for to people aspire to, to follow. Be. And Spartan is just like, exactly. Like that's what keeps the sport growing. You see these athletes and whether you aspire to be like them, or they just inspire you to to try a sport and want to do something like that. 
it, yeah. it works. That's what every sport does. Like you look at every sport, they have the stars of the sport and people buy their jerseys and people go to their games and they play on their own. Um, every kid, you know, that plays basketball, picks their favorite basketball player and wants to be like them. Right. And then you constantly have new kids funneling into the sport. There's not a lot of youth coming into OCR. It's a lot of middle-aged people that are looking for, mm -hmm. you know, an outlet, which is fine. I mean, they like, they're the backbone of the sport for sure. But if you're looking at the sport versus the brand and you want to continue the sport to grow, you need to build heroes. You need idols. You need to give a platform for athletes uh, to, you know, to be present and, and, Spartan has really dropped the ball basically since Reebok left. Reebok was focused on building a sport. And when Reebok dipped, everything went, mm. went out because Reebok, I think was the one that was uh, funding like the NBC series um, and was keeping like, you know, the athletes on the forefront of everything and the Spartan pro team and that sort of thing. Um, and then Spartan just wanted to do it themselves once Reebok left. And they just kept like kind of dropping the ball as far as the way they went about it. Um, so media in this space is the only thing that's going to save it, entertainment in the space. Um, you know, I think there's some opportunity here. And, you know, somebody, I don't know who, but somebody's probably going to try to capitalize on it and save the sport. Um, yeah, but realistically, uh, it's, I hope it works out. And I hope we can save OCR and, and continue to have you know an opportunity for athletes to compete in this sport because i've kind of grown up yeah. on it and i love it and i've kind of based my whole life around this so to see it kind of dwindle the way that it is is kind of a bummer um, and i feel bad for like hawk and ryland who have come into the sport and really put a lot into training for it and they're not getting to yeah. reap the benefits of all their hard work because the sport has declined as they have like kind of reached that mm -hmm. level so so we'll see what happens, but I, I'm very interested in hybrid as well. Um, but it's the same thing, like why I haven't done a marathon yet. It's like, I don't like to show up for things I'm not prepared for. So I won't be racing this high rock season. I will be racing next high rock season. Um, but I have every confidence in myself in that space. Um, I can take these guys oh. down for sure. You know, the like, rule though, if, seeing it and trying if you beat your coach, you're fired as an athlete. That's the rule. That's my rule. Yeah, that's what I was I was talking to him about. I was like, so, so this year I'm definitely chasing Decafit. Um and he's the Decafit uh -huh. world champion. And I'm like, I told him, like, are you cool with me like coming to take your crown and you coaching me through it? And he's fine uh -huh. with it. But like Kent was giving me some shit about um, you know, he's gonna he's gonna be like, Why am I doing like a six mile tempo <laughs> the day before the decafit world champion uh -huh. like what's happening so uh kent thinks he's gonna sabotage me but rich rich honestly he has that like coaching mentality before his athlete yeah. mentality like when we were in dubai we went out and did a workout and he turned around after every interval and came and talked to me it was like how'd that feel you feeling good about it like how was your pace he was like checking on me while we're doing a workout together it was really cool um so i, I have every faith in him pointing me in the right direction and uh when i was um yeah when but I was i'm gonna be back and in 2016 when i first found the sport he he said yeah if you ever if you ever beat me you're fired and that's why that's why i stopped coaching with him in 2017 is there truth to that i don't i don't know <laughs> i don't know um okay 
I want to be respectful of your time. This is going to be a very long training Tuesday, but um, very interested in what you have to say. Um, last question for you. So you're going DECA, uh, DECA route this year, uh, high rocks season, meaning like the second half of this year. Is that what you're considering high rocks? Okay. Second half. Um, and then year. 3k. Yeah. Once, once we're into the qualifying for worlds, I'm doing, I'm doing the first two, 3k events beyond that. Okay. I don't know. Uh, I already booked my flight for West Palm and everything. Uh, before they announced the mm-hmm. prize money drop. So, uh, yeah, I probably wouldn't have gone all the way to yeah. like across the country as far as I could go um, to race a 3K just to try to cover my expenses. Um, so I'll do that. I'll do Big Bear because it's a cheap flight for me, and mm-hmm. I got family out there, so I have every reason to travel to SoCal. Um, but beyond that, I don't know. There's a good chance I don't. Um Spartan North Americans or Pan Americans. Mm-hmm. Sorry. There's a, uh, I think it's $5,000. So I might try travel out to Mexico for that and like bring all my own That's water cool. and not touch anything to. else. Watch out for the ice cubes. Um, That's what got me, I think. But uh, I plan on, I, that's probably true. I didn't do any, no ice cubes, no nothing. I think it was the water that we swam through. Oh. Ohenio was busy drowning and he splashed water into my mouth. And I was that like, that could have been, I could have got enough. So huh. dude, it might've been. So, um, yeah, I'm considering that. So realistically there's like four, three K's I might do this year. The first two in the series, maybe Pan American, but definitely worlds. Like there's that Abu Dhabi money coming in Big time. 20 yeah. grand for that three K. I'm going to go clean up over there for sure. Like no one's touching me on a, on that 3k course out there 20 grand on the line like it's going to be my biggest payday ever so I'm going to go no for confidence that there, um, huh? yeah. uh-huh. no not at all uh you, you know i i don't want to sound cocky or anything but like the 3k is something that i specifically am confident that i can beat anyone on the planet in like mm-hmm. I've prepared for it. I understand what it takes. I understand the demands and that fits my skill set above anything else. I've learned to be a good mountain athlete and I've learned to be a good longer like endurance athlete. But when it comes down to what my body and my fitness is built for, it's a mm-hmm. 20 minute race. And I'm really How about a so, six to seven so yeah. minute round. Not that you'll have any problem getting into finals. Well, top, top end stuff like that. Dude, if if the one k round, if it was just a one k round, I could still throw down on that. I know Bracken probably thinks he's the best in the world at that, but I'll take him on that too. It's like the shorter stuff I'm really good at. I don't necessarily entirely enjoy that anymore. Like I've grown to love these like longer races through the woods and just that experience. But I'm really good at it. It's just kind of mm-hmm. it is what you it is. You trained hard for it, specifically like, for it. You um, said that last two years. That's been a focus here. So there's no no denying that. Yeah. You know. All right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I am going for like the OCR World's 15K this year um, in Mammoth. I know, like it's gonna be it's gonna be some tough competition, but I feel like last year I was confident that I was going to be able to win that race Mm -hmm. before I got sick. And that was like, that was a big plan for me. Like I have the skill set for the three K. I didn't really have to sharpen up all that much for that, 
I was going to be able to come in and do like do my work and leave with it. It was mainly focused around winning the 15k last year, and then everything mm-hmm. just kind of fell apart. And I I only signed up for the 3k just to make sure that I was at least going to be able to do something. Yeah, well, I think VJ so, Jones at at altitude in the mountains has become dangerous. So I think. I think OCRWC is going to bode well, and it's going to hurt a couple other guys that typically would potentially be in the running a little more that don't live at elevation and have honed that craft. So I think it's going to be good for you. Because it's it's not like it's not even like normal altitude. Yeah, That's you're up like there. high uh-huh. altitude. Europeans are going to come over and for the first, like when we go to European soil and we race, we get subbanked like. It was embarrassing when it was over in the UK for the American athletes or the North American athletes. And I think this is going to be the first time, like if we get them to come over in droves, which hopefully we do, it's going to be one of those things. It's like, what, what do you do? Right. What do you do? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Well, uh, I feel like, you know, as, as being not mm-hmm. Bracken today, I need to leave you with like a, oh, an analogy or something. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, so you know, there's finding the right workouts is like finding the right pair of shoes, right? There's so many different shoes out there, different manufacturers, made for different terrains, for different speeds. You have to find the shoe that matches your stride, right? And you have to find the workouts that match your fitness and that match you as an athlete, right? Because my training and Kirk's training are going to look different, but when we show up on race day, we're going to be in very similar places. I'd like to right? think. And we might not even race in the same shoes, and we might have similar performances. So I think there's something to think about there. You're saying that there's not one box we all need to fit in? Mm-hmm. Not at all. Not at all. But I do think there are some shoes that everyone should own, more. for sure. Because, like, like I... uh. I had that little lull in training lately where my, my easy runs were super boring. So I went out and bought three new pairs of shoes and I'm very inspired it's to like run. Buying a cute new outfit. It works too. Uh huh. See, nobody's above it is, man. these are, yeah. Even the best of the best go by, you know, extrinsic motivation. That works for me too. There ain't no shame in that. Um, all right. Well, this is, this has oh, been yeah. a pseudo, we'll call it pseudo interview, pseudo training Tuesday. We got some good stuff out of this. So I appreciate, I appreciate you taking time on the last minute request. Have I missed anything? I'm sure I missed plenty, but. Oh, dude, I, uh, no, I'm a, I'm a fan of the running public and, uh, I'm happy to be here, man. I appreciate you thinking of me. Thanks brother. And as, uh, as much as I've hated on the three K format, I'm very much looking forward to watching it as a, a fan of the sport potentially showing up, but it's not very likely at some point in the year. So I'm going to be looking forward to watching that. So let's, let's make it a spectacle as I know you will. Hmm. I'll, uh, I'll do my best. I think, uh, Kempson and I will be at that first race. So, um, yeah, it'll be a good show. There'll be a lot of people there. I think. All right, man. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for your time, brother. Appreciate you, man. Catch ya. Mm-hmm.